Welcome to Alley All Ears, a podcast from Houston's Alley Theater. Alley All Ears features interviews with directors and designers, playwright Q&As, sneak peeks, behind-the-scenes information, and more. Welcome to Alley All Ears. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. From our home to yours. To use the preferred salutation of the inventor of the telephone, ahoy, hoy, alley cats. This is your literary manager, Lily Wolf, and I have the distinct pleasure of welcome to, welcoming to the studio resident acting company member, David Rainey. Ahoy, David. Hello. And our associate producer and casting director, Brandon Weinbrenner. Ahoy, Brandon. Ahoy, Lily. <laughs> and of course, these two gentlemen are here to talk about their roles in our production of Doris Baisley's adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which we are thrilled to be presenting live on the Hubbard stage this year following last year's digital version that took place, well, in your own homes. Congratulations on that incredible pivot, both of you. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Yeah. So, David, you have been in the resident acting company here at The Alley for about 20 years, over 20 years, I think. Yeah. And in that time, you've acted in three different versions of A Christmas Carol, playing a number of different roles, but primarily Ghost of Christmas Present, Jacob Marley, Mrs. Dilber, and of course, the miser himself, Ebenezer Scrooge. Do I have all of that right? Yes, you have. Oh, my goodness. And Brandon, while you've been with The Alley for almost 10 years and, and deeply involved in the Michael Wilson version of Carol, which is what we ran for over 15 years prior to the dramatic entrance of a global pandemic. Last year's digital production of Doris Basie's adaptation was actually your first, first time uh, helming the ship. How does it feel? How did that feel? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was that was a wild adventure, of which I'm very proud of all of us who participate in, in that. You know, there were so many unknown unknowns in, in that one. It was the first time we were doing a digital production period with uh, with our actors, much less a full-length play. Um, so, yeah, it was it was a, a little overwhelming, but I had an entire theater that would that helped in that process, including some marvelous actors and a resident acting company who brought it to life. And I think we created something pretty darn special. What do you think, David? Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. It was, you know, it was a the very first uh, a full-length play that we did that I've ever been involved with. I did a lot of readings on Zoom and that kind of thing um, with uh, my – I had a company and, and other companies. But the, uh, the this was the first time of doing an actual production, and uh, it was quite a learning curve for sure. But I think we turned out okay. You know, yeah. we did all right. I think you certainly did. Um, and, and David, you've had a chance to, to actually tread the boards recently in our season opener, the Pulitzer Prize winning play Sweat by Lynn Nottage. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you delivered, I think, the first line of the first live performance back in the Hubbard Theater after, after our long intermission. So how does it feel to be back? How did that moment feel? Well, I mean, it's great to be back in the, in the theater again and stuff and, and working. You know, I have to say, you know, I have to admit that I was a little... Uh, a little nervous about the whole thing, um, just kind of getting started. I'm, you know, I wasn't one of those people who was like, you know, I can't wait to get back. You know, I was still pretty cautious and stuff. Um, but I have to say that it's, you know, the I'm really proud of the alley for all the precautions that they took and for our audiences for being so cooperative in making it happen and making sure that we didn't uh, have to shut down again. So uh, I'm very, very proud of that. And I, I think the production turned out terrific. I'm really very proud of the show. So here, here. And Brandon, Christmas Carol is, is actually your first time back in a rehearsal room here at the Alley, at least, uh, in person post-pandemic. I'm, I'm curious what, what that's been like for you. 
Oh, I was so excited. I was so excited for last Tuesday when we, uh, when I was finally in a room again with the actors and the stage managers and um, the production group. Uh, you know, I, I'd forgotten what it felt like to sit in a room and read a script out loud in person and, and have uh, designers be present and talk about their, their designs. It just felt the synergy was, was pretty unreal. And it made me realize how how much I had missed it and how much I have grown since the last time I was in uh, a rehearsal room. Um, so it feels pretty darn good. <laughs> what are some of the little things that you've missed about being physically back in the theater building with your colleagues? I know personally I had a joyous reunion with the coin-operated candy machine in our cantina. Anything, any little particulars from either of you? Well, I mean, well, I, I really like the idea that we can physically get up on our feet and move around, that we're not sort of isolated and stuck in a box. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I've, I've really enjoyed sort of getting on my feet and moving around. Um, that's the main thing, yeah. Yeah, and, and to, to build off of that, the breaks in rehearsal are so much more invigorating when we're live and in person because when we were on Zoom, you know, a break, I wanted to get away from my, from my screen. Mm -hmm. I wanted to take my headphones off and just not be sitting at the computer. But if I did that, I couldn't talk to anybody else, right? Because we were communicating via the computer screen and our headphones. But now I can get up on a break, go walk out into the cantina or in the hallway. There's somebody else. Strike up a conversation about their week, their family, their dog. Right. And and I'm still taking the break of stepping away from the rehearsal room and and just taking a breather, but I get to do it with good company. So mm -hmm. I think it's that socialization um, that I absolutely missed. And I'm sure everyone can connect with that idea. Yeah. Right. Um, now, obviously, the, the Digital Carol certainly wasn't your first process working together, Brandon and David. You have a long artistic history here at the Alley working together. Um, but I'm curious how you two have found working together on this story in particular that you both know so well and that you've carried in your hearts for so long. Did you discover anything new about the characters, the story, about uh, the two of you, about each other? Well, I'll, I'll jump in on that right away and say that I learned a lot from David. Um, you know, I think that when I was tasked with Produce or directing the digital version of A Christmas Carol, my, my, to me, my first priority was like, okay, what is it going to take to do, to do this production? We have to rehearse these scenes. We have to come out with a clear recording schedule and we have to meet each time and just everything's got to be scheduled to a T. And I remember David in, in the middle of a rehearsal, uh, you know, had we, we went out in a breakout room and he talked to me about hey, like we should actually talk about these characters and about Scrooge and his journey and just dive uh, more deeply into the dramaturgy um, of this script and the characterization and really rehearse it as opposed to, and if we do that, then we'll be able to achieve these recordings um, using the time uh, more successfully. It'll take less time because we've rehearsed it so much. And that was, that was very apt and very influential on, on, I think, the rest of that process. And, you know, I, similarly, this year, we don't have all the time in the world to produce this brand new production of A Christmas Carol, because although we did the digital version of Doris uh, Baisley's adaptation, we've never done it live. So for all intents and purposes, it's a new production. Mm -hmm. um, so we don't have all, all the time in the world, but I, I lean on David because he's playing the seminal role of Scrooge to really... Uh, meter and temper the room when it comes to stopping and talking about 
the material and the journey because it's it's all centered on him. Because otherwise, I'm like a train. I will just go, go, go. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, I, and I'll say, I mean, the thing to keep in mind about, you know, we've done this play a lot or this story a lot, but every version of it, it has its own, um, its own intricacies. It's not the same play, you know? So it is a different, each version of it is a different play and it's a different assignment. Like when I first came here, we did Stephen Rain's version, which was much more sort of literary. It was, you know, he's from London or from England. So he made it very London-esque and very literary and kind of heavy and book oriented, uh, lots of fog and, and those kinds of things. And then the Michael Wilson version was much more, uh, much lighter, uh, much more playful. He kind of did some things with the with adding the uh, sort of the, the the ghosts and doing a ghost dance and and working out the all the vendors as being part of the the, the ghost of that uh, visit uh, Scrooge, sort of put his Wizard of Oz kind of quality into it and what have you. So it was much lighter. It was had it had more playfulness in it. In it. And this version is. Again, it, it takes the playfulness to the nth degree because it's a theater company performing the play. And it's not any theater company. It's a theater company with lots of clowns and lots of comedy in it. And so uh, it, it's, like, it's like juggling balls. And it's a very, very different version of it. So each one that you do requires you that you sort of say stop and take stock of what it is and say, well, what is this version of it? Mm-hmm. And what, what does it do? What does it require? And certainly, I think that there was uh, an idea that, oh, well, we did it last year, so we'll just do it again this year. Well, we didn't do it last year. (laughs) We did that version last year, which is an online version. It required a whole different uh, set of uh, things. It allowed for different things to happen that don't work on the stage. And we now have to physicalize this play in a way. So it is a brand new version of of it. I completely agree, David, for for Kimmy Schmidt fans. It's a Fascinating transition. <laughs> Thanks, Lily, for that one. And as we speak now, you've just started rehearsals. I think you're you're just over halfway through your first week. Is that right? Yeah. And of course, you're here in your capacity as the Alley's resident Scrooge, which I mean in the best possible way. But but in this version of the play, you, as you mentioned, you don't come on stage as Scrooge. Can you talk a little bit more about how you personally have been approaching that that conceit in the play? Um. Yeah, um, I mean, basically, um, like I said, it's a theater troupe that's putting on the play, and so I, I, I come on initially as the stage manager, as the one who's kind of trying to organize and run things and what have you, and I get sort of elected into the role of Scrooge, and then decide that I will go ahead and do that and, and play it. So, so it's, it's it's quite a bit different. It's sort of like putting, you know, you've got to put sort of your modernness. On the on the stage manager in that whole world and what have you, and then sort of um, dive into um, kind of full bore uh, into the character of Scrooge. So it's it's kind of a nice little nice little twist and a nice little journey. Um, you know, this this play is f- fairly light and it's 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 uh, it's fast on its feet. It it kind of moves and hops and it doesn't um, um, it doesn't delay. It just keeps going. So um, I think it'll be a really really. A fun project for an audience to see. Um, certainly, it'll be different than anything we've seen before on the alley stage for a Christmas Carol. And Brandon, what's your approach? Are you having the actors play themselves at the top there? You know, I think playing themselves. I mean, th- this is a play that was written for students initially, um, and then it was first premiered at the Mark Taper with a specific group of actors. So I think that the um, the characters of a leading man and leading woman and character actor 
and Old Clown, all of them are based on those particular actors that uh, Doris Baisley was working with when she first started uh, or first penned the script. So for me, I'm absolutely interested in personalizing it to our specific members of the Resident Acting Company and our specific actors in A Christmas Carol. Um, so I actually have a conversation with uh, Doris Baisley later today to talk about maybe different tweaks we can make to this script um, so that we can personalize it even further. So yeah, I am asking the actors to basically play a, a more theatricalized version of themselves, or at least a version that feels honest to to our audiences when they get on stage and say, hi, I'm an actor and I'm about to assume the role of Mrs. Cratchit or what have you. So so yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like in this production, I just want to show my cards. Like nothing, nothing is hidden. I want to be as transparent and authentic as possible about the resources that we have to create this year's post-ish pandemic uh, Christmas Carol. Now, David has talked in the past a little bit about appreciating the playfulness and the humor in this particular adaptation, um, and, and you mentioned it on Is. Um, you know, how, how does that impact your vision of, of the audience's experience of the story? Yeah, I think that this play absolutely toys with the idea of theatricality and how many different ways can we tell this story. Like if it employing singing and uh, dance and uh, clowning um, and having the actors do the scene transitions, having the actors introduce themselves as actors and then assume the identity of, of the character, having... Uh, being introduced to someone like the stage manager and then having him being pulled into the role of Scrooge. All of that really does add to uh, the playful journey that, that I want the audience to take. I also want them to identify that this is a play that's happening on the Hubbard stage in Houston, Texas in December of 2021, and that it wouldn't be the same if they weren't there in the house that evening. So I, I think that referencing the audience is important for the actors to do from on stage. I think that there are things that could only happen in the script here at the alley at this particular time so that they feel that they're a part of the magic um, of this being a, a performance that nobody else can witness except for them. And I think that this script and the playful factor of it really helps us achieve um, that really special feeling that I'm hoping the audience will walk away with. What else sparks joy for both of you in this particular production? Any little moments that we can look forward to or keep our eyes out for? Perhaps we'll see it and think, oh, that's David Rainey's favorite moment in the play. Well, it's probably a little too early for, for me to have a favorite moment per se, but I will say overall, um, this, this, this production has, or the play itself has a... Um, a real lightness to it. And I, and what's been great about, you know, getting back is that like last year we were sort of acting in a, a box. Uh, we only had a, a, a limited amount of room to move in and we were operating with, you know, just our upper half of our bodies. So to, to actually get in a room where we can kind of move around and, and bring physicality to this, to the, to the play, um, that's been very joyous for, for me so far. Um, and as far as favorite moments, we haven't even gotten through rehearsing the whole, getting through the whole play yet. So, <laughs> so I haven't found one of those yet. So that's fair, David. Uh, I think that they're. Uh, I, I'm really loving 
uh, the anachronistic moments or or just the moments where the actors can all be on stage with each other and just express their joy or express the frivolity of the situation. I think of the Fezziwig um, dance uh, in particular was a favorite of mine in the digital version, and I'm hoping that it's it's a an exciting moment in this live production. Um, yeah, I can't label a favorite moment, but I, I sure do like watching all of the actors on stage together having a good time. And there are so many moments uh, for that in this show. And and hey, there's also, uh, I never knew that some of these actors could play the instruments that they're playing. Yeah, so that's really cool. Instruments. Yeah. So yeah, A so, lot of people play instruments, and a lot of them. I was really shocked. I was like, really? You play all those things? Yeah, our clowns, Dylan Godwin, Christine Friol, and Luis Quintero are just doing quadruple duty with all of the um, the roles that they have to play on top of all the uh, musical instruments and singing that they do. It's it's really, even in just four days of rehearsal, it's it's already quite impressive. And we're not even using all of the musical talent. We yeah. We've still got other people that don't play. I mean, yeah. that can play, but don't, aren't playing in the show. Absolutely, yeah, that's true. Well, now that's a moment that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Um, and the, the Fezziwig dance that you mentioned, that's choreographed by one of the um, resident acting company members, is that right? Yeah, Melissa Pritchett. She mm-hmm. is... She is uh, quite an accomplished dancer and so she is lending us her skill set to help us with the movement in the show that's fantastic so um david as you mentioned this this is a holiday tradition for so many houstonians and and people and families come back year after year to see the show um and i just have one final question for you if the alley is to many houstonians and coming to the alley to see christmas carol the the a, a big holiday tradition what are some of both of your holiday traditions i mean it's such a busy time for our our particularly our cast of the christmas carol do, do you have time for holiday traditions <laughs> The only real uh, holiday tradition I have is doing a Christmas carol. <laughs> no, we really haven't developed any real, real ones. I mean, one thing that has kind of developed over, over a number of years recently, um, is that on, on Christmas Eve we've got to eat something that's not our feast, you know. So uh, I always request that we make uh, our Christmas Eve gumbo because Ooh. it feeds a lot of people, and I love the taste of gumbo. So. That's sort of becoming sort of like a, a tradition around, around my house. Um, but that's probably the only thing I can think of. Now I need a bowl of gumbo. Oh. Yeah, that, doesn't that sound good? Yeah. Um, hey, for you know, I growing up, my family was pretty traditional in, as you say, the feast. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the prime rib roast. And my mother is such a great cook. So... Um, that's definitely a tradition of ours is to make that together. We also watch National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation on Christmas Eve every year because that makes us all laugh. My mom has a giant Christmas village where she gets an, a new um, a new building every year and she puts it on. We have a large kitchen island in their house and she completely overtakes the kitchen island with this uh, glowing Christmas village. Um, but ever since I married my husband, Mitchell, we've, and bought our house in the Heights, we, uh, have started doing our our own Christmas tradition, which includes hopping on our bicycles and going through, uh, Woodland Heights for lights in the Heights. Mm -hmm. If you haven't done it here in Houston, uh, the Woodland Heights neighborhood always puts on one heck of a, Mm -hmm. of a Christmas display and different houses are awarded different prizes. Um, and it's just, it's so fun to just hop on your bike and we can tune our phones to Christmas music and just uh, stroll up and down the neighborhood on our bikes looking at all the lights. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to go. That's really got me in the Christmas spirit now. Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of those things that I lived in Heights and I, I couldn't believe that that existed in Houston. I was like, I, 
this belongs in Mayberry. I mean, yeah. astounding. <laughs> you know. But one, one thing I, I just will say before before we go, I, um, the the one thing that I, I think is going to be cool for a lot of a lot of families and parents um, um, is that this this version of the play is not one of those kind of, of ones where we're trying to scare the bejesus out of people, you know? <laughs> um, so um, it's going to be a much more kid-friendly, because mm-hmm. a lot of times people have been, been complained about that. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, just wish that it was not so frightening. And uh, this one has, you know, we go there, but we but we don't stick around long, and we don't, and we're, not really, we're not really trying to scare anybody. We're, mm-hmm. um, we're just trying to show what the ghosts are trying to show him. Um, so this is the, I think this version is going to be real, Real, uh, uh, real family-oriented kind mm. of piece in a way that's even more so than the other versions. And that's coming from Scrooge. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone deserves to be scared, it's Scrooge. <laughs> well, thank you both for the great company this morning. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Lily. And with that, I wish you a very happy holidays, Alley Cats, one and all. Thank you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Alley All Ears. Visit our website at www.alleytheater.org for more 